calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Welcome back to EXPN, The Experience. From the satellite city of Zenith, I'm Dirk Bradley. And I'm Warren Rustburg. League hopefuls make their way through the convention center, testing themselves against the first stage of the Crucible. You know, Rust, I slipped down there earlier this morning. They let me do a constitution challenge. Is that so? You betcha. Being a League veteran myself, I can probably get in there and show these fresh babies a thing or two about violence. What was the test? How's that? You said they let you do a constitution challenge. What was it? Well, they hit me with sticks for a while. I don't think that's a challenge. Well, it was challenging for me. I got the welts to prove it. Wanna see? No, thank you, Dirk. But if the crew could furnish me with a copy of the footage, I would greatly appreciate it. Now, the Crucible isn't just about punishment, is it, Rust? No, sir. The League must ensure that every player is capable of dealing with a wide range of obstacles and threats. From traps to tribunals, the Crucible systematically tests each player's ability scores. Ability scores. Oh, right, yeah, the, the, the character sheets. The folks down in the lab have cooked up a not-so-simple scoring sheet. This allows the League to serve up player stats on a silver platter. That's right, Dirk. All six ability scores are tested through a series of skill challenges to determine, in a controlled environment, just what these people are made of. Let's see here. Strength, dexterity, constitution, I get. But how do they test charisma? That seems kind of like... I mean, like, do they just, um... You know, take off their gear and, you know... I mean, is there someone with, in a, with like a bed, and they, they sort of, uh... What? Gods, no. Dirk, sex appeal is only one small facet of charisma. There are many ways to test one's capacity for performance with their clothes on. For example, they could put someone in front of a live audience in the millions and ask them to comport themselves in a manner that befits a professional. Sounds like a tough gig, Rust. Apparently. In addition to skill tests, players are interviewed by League stewards so their rookie clips can be used in future broadcasts. Some are even selected for press coverage. Woof, the press. What a bunch of carnivores, huh? You can leave the press to water, but you can't make me trust them, am I right? Mr. Bradley's peculiar self-loathing aside, our own Paige Theta Row is on the scene, conducting interviews on behalf of the EXPN team. Rusta looks like they're wrapping up the skill challenges. All right, folks, this is what we've all been waiting for. Get ready to see the posers get booked and the wannabes fall to their knees. Let's go now live to coverage of the convention center where the combat encounters are underway.
The team, such as they are, have been led through the convention center to one of a half dozen structures at the far end. Groups of four make up a line outside each, waiting for their chance to prove themselves in the final test of the crucible. The three of you stand with Ophidian Ashpool. The man before you is an Asimar, though his coloration does not denote a celestial heritage. His hair is a long, thick black curtain, framing a pale white face. His eyes, black with red irises, are set deep over high cheekbones, presiding over a beautiful, angular, clean-shaven face. He wears a simple dark chocolate trouser and a fitted burgundy shirt with sleeves rolled up to reveal tattoos of tightly drawn black circles surrounding his forearms. The right arm is full to the elbow. The left bears only a few. He gives you all a warm smile. Holophon Orison. God, I've heard great things about you. Really? Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, everybody says we're going to be the big two. Too awesome, all right? Sweet eyes, bro. Um, I mean, I, I, think, I think I've got a good body, but uh, thank you for the compliment. God, that, let's not. I just shake it off. Fumble for a minute. Now, speaking of bodies, look at you. You're, you're, like, a, you're like an Olympian. Well, actually never been there. Well, your wit is clearly as remarkable as they say. <laughs> so this is what you are supposed to do? Compare bodies? No, but I think by all rights, this guy's got a got an impressive one. And I mean, if I'm being honest, I got to keep an eye out on the competition. We are teammates, not competition. <laughs> yeah, but we're all competing for slots, right? Yeah, are you, are you familiar much with uh, the way the league does its draft? I have heard rumors. It's pretty straightforward. Basically, uh, the Crucible's a way for them to gauge how good we are. And then, one by one, the administration gets to make their picks. Usually starting with the ones who did the worst in the last season and then moving up from there. I mean, uh, technically we're all competing, but there's like, I don't know, something like 40 slots. And there's, he looks around and at the massive convention center. Got to be like 80 people here. So, I mean, someone's got to lose, right? But surely performing well as a team would be very beneficial. Exactly. That's what they're here to test. The four values. <laughs> this guy knows what I'm talking about. He gestures to Hal. What are the four values? Oh, well, the big ones. Well, you got teamwork, right? The ability to work together as a unit, right? And if anybody goes down, then it's obviously a hit to your teamwork. And then uh, you got ingenuity. You know, repetition looks bad. You know, if you can't come up with creative stuff, that's obviously not where you want to be. Then arguably the most important, you got valor. If you're brave, taking meaningful risks, not over-preparing for measly little tasks, right? And then discipline, the ability to stay on task, be focused, stick to the theme of the quest. Those four things are what they grade on. And not to toot my own horn or anything, but I think I'm pretty good at all four. So where in these values does his Olympian body and, as he said, your sweet ass fall? <laughs> well, I mean, they try not to judge based off of physical prowess. You know, there are people of all sorts. Some are uh, missing limbs, some are horribly sickly, but I mean, all that really matters is that you can handle the basic challenges and prove yourself. Yes, some of us are missing limbs. <laughs> I didn't want to say anything. Well, I think we handled ourselves quite well. Yeah, I mean, if, 
not 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 judgmental. I mean, you did you did fantastic uh, ingenuity at the very least. Just jumping past the quest. That's that's something that's something you can do. I mean, this guy over here, he didn't even have to drink the poison. They did not force me to inject it or anything else. So honestly, there's a fifth value and that's showmanship. And you guys definitely have that in spades. Then we are your competition. Yeah. I mean, in the end, there's only so many slots. Somehow I think this guy's going to beat me out, though. Isn't that right, Hal? Well, you'd always hope that I do. Well, it helps me knowing that we're not competing for the same stuff. Every team's got its own kind of feel to it, right? The spokesman for Verada, he obviously likes things a little bit on the edgier side, being a devil. And I mean, you're definitely going to want to be a little, let's say, noble, virtuous, if you want to stand for the spokesman of Miklan. But I think, being what I am, I think I've got a slot lined up for me. So, Ophidian. You can call me Ash. Ash, then. Tell me, I read a lot of stories, and with what you've just said in this story, would you consider yourself the leader or the lancer? That's a good question. I'd consider myself the villain. Well, that is um, not the answer I was expecting, and to be completely honest, I'm not sure what to make of it. Most people don't expect me. Penny will turn to the other members of this team and say, but please allow me to be the first to introduce myself. I'm afraid I'm not familiar with Halophon, but my name is Penny Farthing. It's good to meet you, Penny. My name's Halophon Orson Jr. My dad was a legend. I'll say. (laughs) There's big shoes to fill, but uh, you're not related to other deer, are you? I'm so glad you asked. I have 17 brothers and sisters. Yeah, but not like deer on the material plane, right? I'm not sure I've ever been on one of those. I think he is trying to figure out if he has eaten any of your relatives. One of Hal's knives has an antler handle and he's really uncomfortably trying to turn his hip <laughs> like away from Penny and the off chance that this is horribly offensive. Oh, no, there's no chance of that. Not at all. I I have never seen a deer that's a plurality. She might be the first. Actually, I don't think there's ever been a plural on the teams, uh, at least not one that knew they were a plural. And um, just for, uh, you know, the benefit of the uh, the this one, and I point like it, I actually I slap Gaspar on the shoulder. I was, you want to remind him specifically what? A pluralist? <laughs> right, yeah. Um, sorry, I figured you knew being an Asimar. Oh, of course. Um, I I know what a plural is. <laughs> Certainly. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, no. Uh, so people from the material plane like you or me, we are one thing, one being. We're unique. But on the axial planes, planes of good, planes of evil, etc., they tend to have multiple versions of themselves in every planar cluster. Are you following me so far? Halfon nods and and is not convincing. (laughs) Think of it like a bunch of grapes. Yeah, exactly. It's like a bunch of grapes. And at the base of that grape stem is all the axial planes for that cluster, right? Your mom was probably from one of them. Your dad uh, was not. Your dad was singular. And what a singular he was. Gripes. Yeah, well, I mean, the singulars aren't grapes. 
you know what? We should move on. Yeah. Thank thank you, Hal. I, I needed that clarification. Happy to help. Gaspar gives you a thumbs up. I give you a thumbs up back. Actually, I fist bump you with a thumbs up. You don't look like a dwarf, he says to Gaspar. I am not a dwarf. But, uh, I mean, your head, your head's one. That is not my head. Well, the head belongs to me. It is my property. But that is not the head that goes on this body. Oh. I've never seen something like you before, so... I mean, well, I have, but, you know, not like this. Not a, a, a normal person who walks around and, like, has conversations. That's new. That is interesting, because some would say that we are natural villains. And you are a self-described villain. Mm-hmm. Perhaps you will meet more of us. Usually when I meet headless writers, they're trying to kill people and not so much have conversations with them. I feel as if that is a misconception. They are not trying to kill people. They are simply going to where people are going to die anyway and then guiding them back to where they should go. Yet another example of folktales failing us in terms of accuracy. I'm not one to judge. Although if there are personal grudges, perhaps they are coming to kill you. <laughs> Can I ask a quick question? Uh, do you talk out of your head or your neck? At this point, Gaspar is going to unhinge the trophy head on his hip. He is going to like do a two-handed basketball pass towards Hal. I catch it reflexively, just, just <laughs> muscles kick in instantly. <laughs> And then Gaspar's voice will come from the severed head. And he's going to say, the voice is coming from the head, but as you can see, the mouth is not moving. And at that point, a small candle-sized flame of very, I would say, calming pink, you know, like a tiny little spring flower is going to exit out of the mouth. And then start hovering and orbiting around Gaspar's body. Gaspar, may I ask you a personal question? In response, the pink flame is going to enter back into the severed dwarf head. And Gaspar is going to say, will you repeat that? I don't, I can't necessarily hear, but I can feel that there is some vibration in the room. So what you're saying is without the head... You're basically useless. I assure you, I am never useless. Sure. Well, to be fair, you'd be pretty useless without a head. He brings up a good point. Actually, I could find a use for him without a head. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's a good one. I like that. Spicy. Hal has, like, been passing the head between his hands as though it was a basketball, and will kind of, like, look down as it gets re-inhabited and go, Right. I'm just going to give this back to you now. Uh, I've been holding this severed head long enough, and it's really, really weird. Gaspar, what I was trying to ask, and I'm so sorry if this is rude, but when, if we are to be teammates, when I speak to you, where should I look? Is it rude to look at the stump? (laughs) (laughs) Ophidia laughs audibly. That's a good question. Yeah. Hal laughs a few seconds after everyone else laughs like he's in on the joke. And <laughs> Oh, that was hard to say. That's so good. Courtesy is not really of much importance to me. 
But if it makes you feel better, you could talk to where my head would be. I can do that. Just if it's hanging on your hip, know that I'm looking at your head. Quick question. A bit of an interjection. Tell me, Penny, are you from the Feywild or are you one of the plane of good Fey? Oh, such a good question. I am from Evdemonia. It is paradise. I imagine so. Something as lovely as you could only come from paradise. Well, it's a good line. She flushes a little, and her um, her tail kind of wags appreciatively. All right, gang. Um, I think it's probably best now that we start talking strategy. Let's start with the the villainous Ophidian. What, what do you do, mate? <laughs> you don't have to call me villainous. Well, uh, I'm a paladin and a warlock. Well, it gives us a bit of weird overlap then. I'm also a paladin. Oh. I always assumed you were a fighter. No, you, uh, nope, that's, nope. Yeah, you see a, you see a halberd or something like that, and you typically see that in the hands of a fighter. Well, I'm, I'm well trained with it, if that's what you mean. And you'd say you're, uh, lined with good. Well, I would. Probably, yeah. Good. Good to know. What about you? Not really important. Right. How about you two? I look at Gaspar and Penny. If you're asking about our combat skill set, I am quite a good shot. can make especially difficult ones that other people cannot. I'm happy to fill in whatever position you need me. I have never done anything like this before, but I used to be quite good at full contact bocce ball. I don't know a lot about this, but... Based on what I have heard, I would probably classify myself as perhaps a bard. I'm quite a good flutist. And also, maybe a little bit of a warlock. I can get my powers from my mama. Right. Uh, Just for the record, I think maybe more war and less flute when we get into battle. Just a thought. Battle rhythms are useful, but uh, whatever you say, Captain. Oh, of course, I'm ready. And she pulls out her very, very patinaed short sword and buckler. Like, it looks like these have been out in the garden or something for a while. Let you bring in your own equipment, huh? Nice. They only let me keep the whip. That's about it. Well, I think most of us brought our own weapons here. Yeah? They're not going to let you use them. No? Mm-mm. Got to use standard equipment. Mm. Well, that shouldn't be a problem then. Yep, uh, you get a standard loadout. Every team has a certain amount of money they're allowed to spend. Every time it's fresh gear. And uh, sometimes they're allowed to let you keep like bonded stuff. Like your old things will probably be allowed to classify as bonded. If they have a saber for me, that will do. A crossbow. He cranes his head and over the crowd you can see what looks like several long tables set up with gear. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, this was this is a personal item of mine. He shows you the whip. So it is bonded to you. Yeah. It's uh, special to my class. Halafon, is any of your equipment bonded to you? Uh, no, I'm pretty all around trained in a number of things. So, no, I try not to get too attached. It must be nice to have special equipment. But I'm glad I'm not the only one that is somewhat poor. Well, I wouldn't say I'm poor. It's just... uh. You know, you don't need to bring... I look at, like, the stack of paperwork that I'm probably still carrying around. <laughs> <and> like, <laughs> well, 
I've got a lot of paperwork. Is that a weapon? Uh, it depends. In my opinion, that is probably the greatest weapon in the universe. In the hands of a wizard, paperwork is deadly. Or lawyers. That too. <laughs> you hear a blood-curdling scream cut across the convention center. From one of the warehouses, a side door opens up, as if from nowhere. Your eyes are drawn to it. A woman is carried out by two engineers. She is frantically clutching a bloody stump where her left arm was. Her three companions are walking out with her, dejected. <sighs> well, looks like we're coming up. Gaspar is going to concernedly ask, is she going to make it? Depends on what you mean by make it. Will she live? Oh, uh, yeah, probably. That is good to hear. But uh, that's one less piece of competition for us. Very quietly, just go, damn. Obviously that went well. Yeah. I'm excited to see what we're up against. You could say that I am excited to perhaps see what's what you will be facing. I will be very much in its blind spot. Guys, I might need a bigger flute. <laughs> we're going to need a bigger flute. <laughs> <laughs> Awful. Uh, <laughs> uh, the way this line has been working is there's one person waiting, now fully kitted, another team getting themselves ready, and then the one in waiting. You are now the ones in waiting. The team that kits themselves moves to the next up, and now you are on deck. A steward gestures towards the equipment. Right, friends? Well, you'll find everything you need over here. If you have any questions, feel free to ask. Uh, don't overload yourself. It makes you look like an idiot. Penny starts running her hands over a set of leather armor. Oh, this is nice. What is this made of? Cow. <laughs> No, I'm joking. I know what that is. <laughs> Pleather. Give me a second. I want each of you to give me a brief description of the equipment that you take, beginning with Penny. Okay, so Penny, first of all, is going to find a pair of leather armor that she likes. Um, kind of take her time, feel them around a little bit. This one looks good. Mm -hmm. And she'll kind of look back and forth between the table and then the equipment that she brought. And in the end, I think she'll go ahead and grab like a standard issue, short sword and small shield. And she will, after donning that armor, retie her own flute holder to the belt or wherever is most appropriate. Hal gets himself up with a suit of chainmail, picks up a glaive off of a table, grabs a couple of javelins, mostly as an afterthought, and kind of eyeballs a table of adventuring equipment. It's like, yeah, probably won't be needing that. Gaspar is going to gladly remove his shabby leather armor and pick up a standard issue he's going to find a standard issue saber light crossbow a case of bolts for that light crossbow and will kind of greedily eye the hand crossbow something he probably couldn't really afford and will just say this is not something that i would usually have nor do i have practice I don't want to look like an idiot. And then I will put the hand crossbow down and just get a feel for this familiar but new and off-balance weapon. Absolutely. Ophidian dons a simple leather armor, grabs a long sword and a few knives. Well, look at us. We're like an actual team, huh? 
Are we supposed to name our team at this moment? No, we're just Team Alpha 4, Alpha 3, I think. Alpha 3. That's I like it. There are four of us, but it's fine. <laughs> yeah, no. We'll get our names later when we make Hero. And that, the steward comes up and ushers you towards the front of the line. The man standing there has kind of a paternal look to him. He's a little short, a little pudgy, kind of balding. He's got blonde hair. He says, all right, legends in the making, welcome in. He's the final test of the crucible. It's going to be a simple fight. Fun fact, sooner you get it done, the better it looks. However, if you can kill all the enemies in the same turn, he looks really good on a resume. Just keep that in mind. Other than that, I'll give you a free count and you just head in. Hey, eh? got any questions? Oh, just one. Hmm? What's a resume? Not important. Got it. Guessing you never had a job, eh? No. That'll do it. Just to be clear, you said kill, not defeat. Kill. This is to the blood. You might die in there. But fortunately, you get free resurrection. So it's not, just, not that big of a deal. Well, in the heat of combat, sometimes killing is easier. So, anything goes? Anything goes. Anything that's in league rules, anyway. It's like full contact budgie ball. <laughs> Don't forget the call values. And away that's three, two, one, and you get. He kicks the door open, and the four of you move in in a square formation and undertake the final test of the Crucible. A marvelous first batch of contenders. Aljamain Handar's natural talents and extreme physical conditioning stood head and shoulders above the rest of Team Alpha One, due in no small part to Gillywell's well-timed healing and support casting. Fortunately, the administration has keen eyes for the finer details and aren't swept up in spectacle. What about Team Gamma Six? That's a bad beat. I've never seen a player dismemberment so early in a fight. I don't know, Dirk. You'll recall from last season, a transient exile squared off against a group of planar pirates on Braithmark Station in the Epsilon Cluster. In the first round, Greta Bladebreaker had her own blade removed from her person, along with the arm wielding it. Oh, right, I remember that one. She kept on keeping on with that Lay on Hands double team from Paladin's Ollie Amaranthus and Asriel Vilius. That and some expert defensive strategy from Runic Knight fighter Bartholomew Walson kept Bladebreaker and the rest of the Exiles in the fight. Impressive memory, Dirk, and an impressive fight. But that little mishap cost the Exiles dearly. A regeneration spell is no small feat, and a significant amount of glory was needed to make young Greta whole again. Well, this Gamma Girl's arm went flying, and with no glory to spend, I wonder if she'll be able to keep that floppy tickler as a consolation prize. Well, Dirk, however appealing such a grim totem might be for some, healing for the Crucible is provided gratis. Aura approved members of the official healers union are on site to tend to any and all injuries. My pop says unions ruined luck. While organized labor does pose some issues, the safety of players and crew is paramount. Unions ensure these potentially vulnerable individuals aren't taken advantage of by powerful organizations. After all, we don't need another beacon incident like from the Zarna Founders League. Right, well, 
Heroes need protection like I need a knife in a gut. That's all I'm saying. Well, Dirk, I'd be happy to schedule some airtime to debate the finer points of unionization versus a free labor market. Uh, it looks like the next batch of heroes is gearing up for battle. Uh, we'll have more live coverage after these words from our sponsors. We're about to witness a planar phenomenon, a keyhole between worlds that only marketing can penetrate. Join me as we glimpse into the adverse. I want to take a second to tell you about a podcast I think you'll really like, Mayday. No one is prepared for disaster. No one knows exactly how they'll react in a plane crash, an earthquake, or when a lone gunman decides to open fire. On May Day, you'll hear about the people who had to find out, people whose stories deserve to be heard. Join hosts Maya Nalani and Luke Welland as they tell you about extraordinary people who found themselves in extraordinary circumstances. Listen to May Day wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking news, an outbreak of planar scabies has been reported across the cosmos. These terrifying parasites burrow into the genitals of their host, feeding on the sweetmeats within. It is advised that all citizens of the material plane immediately shave their genitals. Repeat, if you're hearing this, shave your genitals. This public service announcement was brought to you by Manscaped. When I started trimming my genitals, it was not unlike placing my tender scrotum in a food processor. That's when I turned to Manscaped. The aptly named lawnmower is their third-generation ball trimmer featuring cutting-edge, so to speak, ceramic blades to reduce grooming incidents. No more will your tight white underpants look like modern art after tending to your zone. For 20% off your purchase and free shipping, just go to manscaped.com and use the discount code LUQ. That's 20% off and free shipping with the discount code LUQ. Now I'm silky smooth and free of interplanar parasites. The fellas at the gym can't keep their eyes off my velvety coin purse, and I've got the confidence to strut my not-so-funky stuff at the disco. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Hey, all you kitties. So I hope you enjoyed your first trip to the Adverse. Uh, I think that's how we're going to be doing official ads from here on out. That being said, I do want to make sure that our first ad read goes correctly. So I'm going to go ahead and give you that ad again. But, you know, the way you're supposed to do it. Support for Luck is brought to you by Manscaped, the best of men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners that's 20% off and free shipping with the promo code LUCK, L-U-Q, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the promo code LUCK. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Do you have an unquenchable thirst, but not for water, beer, or even wine? You want to chug hot, relaxing, fancy afternoon libations. Your unending desire for a steamy cup of tea rivals the linear nature of time itself. Well, we have a product just for you. Introducing Infinity. The buy once tea bag that never runs out of flavor. No matter how many times you dunk this smelly leaf bag, you'll have a robust fragrant tea to lull your tea demons into a calming afternoon nap. 
Now you can get teabagged any time of day, hot or cold, strong or mild. This sack won't quit. Pass it down through your family. You can guzzle the same plant broth your grandma slammed when she was just a young tea addict like you are now. Buy once. Buy forever. Drink tea till you die. Infinity. The price is steep. No, seriously, it's pretty expensive. This is an investment you should plan for. I mean, it lasts forever. That's honestly not even a great business model. You can understand why our initial asking prices might be a little bit high. This company isn't really built for financial longevity. This is a project of passion. Infinity! Hey, LU cuties. We hope you're enjoying the new season of LUQ Battle Axes. We've gotten a lot of new fans on the Discord lately and a ton of interaction on social media, which we love. But we want to keep it up. Any and all mentions, shares, and reviews are our ticket to growing big. We're back in the top 100 gaming podcasts in the U.S., and that's very exciting. But I'd kind of like to see if we can make it to the top 50 soon. What do you think? Can we make it? I think so. We're at the point now where if every listener donated a dollar a month, me and Zach could probably make Slapdash our full-time job, and that's pretty exciting to think about. And maybe it'll inspire you a little bit out there. But we wouldn't be where we are without the fans and, of course, the patrons. So a huge thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon, and we hope you like all the great new rewards that come with it. We actually just uploaded a bunch of new official music that we use on the show for patrons to use for ringtones and any non-commercial fun stuff. So that's a new tempting reward for everyone to consider. We do have two new heroes on the Battle Axis, which is McCloister and TJ, and a new champion of the Battle Axis with INZ. Welcome to the fold. As for our legendary teams, those are as follows. The Titans Rise, the Forgotten Legacy, the Ceaseless Horde, and this week's featured team, the Twilight Concord, with Eerie Lunar Rose, Maisie, Eshwin, and Christopher Mashburn. If you listen to episode one of the Battle Axis during the first week, you'll notice now that there's going to be some updates to the EXPN background music. We just updated and got new versions that we both like a lot more. If you or anyone you know want to advertise with the LUQ or pay for a personal message to be read on the show, please contact admin at slapdashstudios.com. Our new P.O. Box is 230091 Tigard, Oregon, 97281, as requested by fans. Please, no homemade food. And for everything else Slapdash and LUQ, check out the LUQ.com for links to social media, merch, news, and links to our Twitch channel, where we stream random games during the week. And every Monday, we stream live premieres of the newest episode. We also stream cooperative Pokemon Nuzlocks with me and Zach every Tuesday, which are a lot of fun. But we all know why you're here. Let's get back to the episode. There's one thing we all have in common. We could all use a little more coin in our pocket. There's many kinds of magic in this crazy world we live in. Transmutation's neat, but we all know that selling transmuted gold kills you in Texas. Divination seems to be the future, but who can memorize all those complicated scrying incantations? Me? I'm an Economancer, and I'm here to help you make more money, like magic. Hi, I'm Morrison Dosh. For the low cost of my informative book, Summoning Sums, or one of my many educational Scritio sets entitled Assassinating Debt, you can learn about making loads of side coin by one or all of the following techniques. Answering questionnaires in your free time. Donating organs or bones to necromantic startups. Investing in ancient kinds of money yet undiscovered, unearthed from burial sites of the past, which we call cryptos. Buying and reselling low-cost items which you can conveniently purchase from me. And so much more. Don't wait around for money to appear magically. Learn the spells to make it happen yourself. With my help, Morrison Dash. It's free money that you pay for. Order today.
In square formation, you walk through the pair of double doors, which snap shut behind you. Within is a hall filled with simple stone pillars, dimly lit by arcane orbs of light. The floor is tiled with smooth slabs, five feet edge to edge, many of which are spattered with blood. As you prepare yourself for battle, the enemy is nowhere to be seen. Roll initiative. Ooh. 22. Okay, it's a 22 for Penelope. Eight. You got an eight for old Hal. Twelve. Beautiful. Well, Fidian got a three. He's taking a dive. <laughs> you hear Ash Sander's breath get behind cover. Godly. As I just kind of position myself behind him for now. <laughs> I am covered. The initiative round begins with Penelope Farthing. Okay, so hearing what Ash just said, um, that seems perfectly reasonable. So I'm going to head over to the nearest pillar and, yeah, hide behind it. Currently, I have my shield on my back and my sword is sheathed so that I can use my double flute to cast spells. Excellent. Are you going to do anything with the rest of your turn? Yes. Um, I'm going to play a little ditty and cast Blade Ward on myself. Mm. And I'm also going to use this opportunity to give a bardic inspiration using a bonus action to Halophon. Excellent. And can you tell us how Blade Ward works? I can. <laughs> Until the end of my turn, I have resistance against bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage. Good to know. Dealt by weapon attacks. Yes. And that'll end your turn? I end my turn. Excellent. From behind a pillar at the far end, you can hear what sounds like arcane words, a whoosh of magic, and then a sound almost like a blade being drawn. Everybody, keep your arms close to your torso. From the pillar on the far back to the right, someone momentarily pokes out and takes a shot. You can't clearly make him out, but you can tell it's a male, and you can tell he has a crossbow. You hear, son of a bitch, and he drops the crossbow just next to himself. You're not sure who he was firing at, but that's a critical fucking failure. Woo! Oh, you suck! That's a good, <laughs> strong open. <sighs> what did you just call me? <laughs> yeah, that was uh, fucking embarrassing. Way to blow your ambush, chump. Go team, we are team alpha, maybe three or four, and we've got this. <laughs> I love it. Gaspar, that makes it your turn. Gaspar is going to move to the pillar to the left. Still cannot perceive anybody at the moment. Correct. Not With, cleanly. Okay. You can, however, tell that somebody ahead of you in one pillar to the right is armed and armored there. Okay. Gaspar is going to use his cutting action to hide or attempt to hide. Do it. We're looking at a 10. Okay. That doesn't quite do it. <laughs> Fine. Yeah. And just... Prepare an action to shoot if he hears somebody break from cover. Which somebody does. The person that you have a pretty clear angle on decides to make a break moving towards Penelope and then swings around the corner at you. As he moves from pillar to pillar, I'm going to take my shot. Excellent. We're looking at a 20 to hit. That definitely hits. For eight damage from my crossbow bolt. No doubt, killing him before he can strike me. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. And I would like to describe at least that Gaspar shoots from the hip. He, do he does have... 
he does have to kind of put the crossbow down there for the dwarven eyes to look down the the sight. I love it. So you definitely get the hit on him. Uh, you can see the crossbow bolt catch him on the side of his armor. It throws him off balance as he slams himself into the pillar and then spins around to swing the blade around the corner. That is a 21 to hit. Ooh, that successfully hits poor, poor Penelope. Shocking. And as an eight plus three, you are warded, yes? I have resistance, so it's halved. Excellent. He hits you for maximum damage, which is 11, but rounded down and cut in half, that's going to go ahead and be five damage for you. Ah! Good call on that blade ward. I have been hit. <laughs> and you're going to be hit again. Hang in there, Penny. It builds character. <laughs> Being stabbed builds character. I like it. The man before you is a soldier. He's a male half-elf. He has an athletic build, caramel-colored skin, black hair, and sharp green eyes. He wears ring mail and bears a longsword and shield. That makes it Hal's turn. All right. Well, it looks like they were in here first, so it looks like it's time for the old flush and crush. And I'm going to run up and... Uh, I think I'm going to try and defend Penny. So I'm going to move directly next to Penny in front of the gentleman attacking her. I'm going to counterattack using my glaive. I love it. Yep. Do your swings. Oh, and as a bonus action on the way, I'm going to cast Shield of Faith. Okay. My AC is a little bit higher. Sounds good. And I make an attack. That's a natural 20. Oh, beautiful. Yep. Okay. You have an option to either inflict double damage or automatically inflict an injury on this person. This person's a martial character. They got winged, but they don't look terribly damaged from from the crossbow bolt, right? It looks pretty bad. Sorry, what were you doing? I think I'm just going to go for double damage. If he's looking pretty hurt, I'm going to see if I can just take him out Roll round up. one. So I'll just look at him and nothing personal. And I'm just going to hit him for 2d10 plus 2. Sounds good. Uh, that's an 8 and a 5. 13 plus 2 is 15 damage. Excellent. You dash to the right and move forward. You swing with your glaive, immediately getting him in the side. The impact is enough to not only break his ribs and collapse some of his armor, but you can feel it bite through the chain and ultimately gouge a deep cut into his side. He drops to his knees, and the sudden blood loss causes him to faint. Okay. In that case, I'd like to continue my movement up to the next pillar ahead of me. That's as far as you can go. All right. I'll just move that direction then. Okay. Gaspar just needs clarification. Was that the crush or the flush? Oh, uh, that was neither. It's just the sit-up. All right. That makes it Ophidian's turn. He casually strolls to the man who you just felled. He draws his knife and jams it into his neck, twisting and cutting free most of his throat. Come on, Hal, you gotta know better than that. We don't want him getting back up, do we? Ophidian, you are in the wrong here. We are supposed to kill them all at the same time. I don't care. Bonus points mean nothing to me. So that's his turn. You hear the clatter of ringmail as someone, bearing what looks like a mace and a shield, runs from one pillar to the other. And that brings us back to the top of the initiative. Okay. Penelope is a little bit shaken by everything that just happened right in front of her, but she's trying to do right by her team. And having seen that presumably cleric run between columns, Penny's going to cut a diagonal over to the opposite 
pillar that's one row forward. And once there, she's going to cast Tasha's Hideous Laughter on the presumably cleric. Excellent. So they must succeed on a wisdom saving throw. Sounds good to me. They are no slouch in wisdom, but that doesn't matter because they rolled a three on the die. That definitely succeeds. So they begin to find everything hilariously funny and fall to the ground, incapacitated for the duration, which is concentration. Beautiful. As you're saying these words, and as you're casting your spell, you can feel the heat of battle suddenly flush inside of you, and you're, you're getting more and more excited. But that heat just keeps getting worse, more and more intense, rising and rising and rising, and suddenly burning, 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 as you realize that a flaming sphere has appeared behind you. <laughs> How did that get there? Ready to action. <laughs> Suddenly, I'm feeling very, very hot. Too hot! Too hot! (laughs) Beautiful. So, as you stand there, you can feel the fur on your legs starting to burn away, and this thick smell of burning hair fills your nostrils. Going to be making me a dexterity saving throw. Twelve. Well... Mm. 12 does not do it, unfortunately. So that means 2d6 fire damage right on Penelope Farthing. That is 10. Whew. They're trying to take down our cutest character. Mm-hmm. They always do. They always start with the cutest. <laughs> and unfortunately, that's also going to put you in a situation where you need to roll your concentration. Oh, my concentration is so broken right now and focused entirely on the fire that is climbing up my leg hairs. (laughs) As it does, it's burning considerable swaths of your flesh and you can feel the skin of your face and your exposed arms getting hotter and hotter and almost beginning to bubble. Penny begins crying and whimpering behind this column. Excellent. (laughs) Good. Excellent. (laughs) So you did that. That's the end of your thing. Their action was finished. A robed figure moves out from behind one of the pillars. It's a female tiefling, short, with a healthy layer of fat. Her frame is covered with tattered brown robes. Her green skin is peppered with crimson wine stains. She has a bright smile and dark brown eyes. She leans on a gnarled quarterstaff that has seen better days. As she comes around the corner and puts herself up against the wall near the pillar next to you. She says, I hope it's hot enough for you, you little bitch. And she raises her staff up, and from it, three arcing rays of fire come scorching towards you. Right, this isn't going to be good. That's a hit. That's a hit. Ouchers. And that's it. I believe that's 2d6 per. Mm-hmm. The first is nine damage, Oof. which I believe brings you out. Yes, that puts me at negative seven. That also gives you one injury point, which we will discuss later. The second is 10, but it doesn't matter. You simply take a failed death save. All right. And the third is for six damage. Again, does not matter. And you take another failed death save. Oh, my cuteness. (laughs) And that makes it somebody else's turn. You see a nimble man bald of hair, wearing hide armor that looks like it's made out of zebra skin, come running out to one of the pillars and then out again towards this. He uses his cunning action to get a dash and get behind Ophidian Ashpool. He then slashes out 
with two short swords. And both find home, piercing into the back of Ophidian. That is a four, minus one for a three. And then the second is a critical. It not only finds home, but it presses up between the last three ribs on his back. You fear he may have been punctured in the lung. He takes a total of 12 damage. However, he doesn't seem too terribly hurt. Obviously damaged, but functional. He cries out, Oh, you sneaky little shit! (laughs) A fair response. (laughs) And that makes it Gaspar's turn. Gaspar is going to sprint from behind the pillar towards Penny. Mm -hmm. Right before he grabs her, he is going to... He's going to reach to where his head should be and grip. And as he pulls upwards, a spectral spine is going to appear. (laughs) Bunch of barbs and spikes onto it. And as he makes a whipping motion towards the ringmail wearing cleric behind the pillar, it is going to lash out as he casts thorn whip using his racial feature. No one can say you don't have backbone. Uh, (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) Gaspar got back. Okay, that is a nine. Nine? Yikes. Mm. Um, But they are incapacitated, yes? So that means automatic success on those attacks, yes? Or not uh, advantage. Oh, oh, I do have advantage. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. That is a 14 to hit. The 14 does not do it. Their ring mail somehow protects them from the lash. As it comes down, it just simply whacks across their chest, mostly bouncing off uselessly and then furling back up to you. At that point, Gaspar is just going to focus on the task at hand, grab the shield that is fastened to Penny's back, and use that as a sled to drag her towards Hal. All the while going, are any of you healers? We did not talk about this. Are you going to use your dash action? I will use the cunning action to dash. Yeah, so that's my move and my cunning action. (laughs) Excellent. So you drag her back, and I'm going to let you uh, kind of maneuver her ahead of you as you do, which makes her standing or lying incapacitated directly next to Hal. Just loser. (laughs) 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 Fucking curling. I feel like grabbing that shield is like grabbing a hot plate. Probably. (laughs) Beautiful. And that makes the end of your turn? That is the end of Gaspar's turn. Excellent. Vabul the soldier is very dead and does absolutely nothing. He simply gurgles quietly. And that makes it Halifon's turn. Cool. Hal will look down at Penny, bend over, and put a hand on Penny's chest and say, um, Right, um, I know I don't know you really well, but uh, here, have a little health and uh, my apologies. <laughs> and I'm going to give you eight <laughs> health back. <laughs> don't mean to invade your personal space. <laughs> right. And then with my, that, that was lay on hands for the record is my action. And with my movement, I'm going to move over to the still prone cleric. And I'm, I'm going to tell the cleric who's on the gra- ground, right, just if you could just go ahead and stay there, that would be real nice. <laughs> and I think that makes the end of your turn. Yeah, I don't have a bonus action to cast. Sounds good. All right. And that moves us on to Ophidian. Ophidian turns to the rogue. All right. Duel it is. He lashes out with his whip, and as he does, it suddenly engulfs in what looks like almost a red flame. And he succeeds. He's going to go ahead and spend a superiority die to trip him, and then he's going to come down with his longsword right on his chest. 
I'll admit he's better with a whip than I am. Okay, great. And that is uh, 16 damage. So immediately the man falls, hits his head on the stone, and then has a longsword protruding from his heart, dead instantly. Killing like a villain. That makes it the cleric's turn, who then stands up, and you finally get a full view of them. They're a female, human, broad of shoulder and fair of hair. She wears a tight braid and a stern look. Her armor is the same ringmail that you saw on the soldier earlier. In one hand, she has a shield bearing a star in a bottle, and that very same thing dangles from her neck on a silver chain. As she stands up, she uses an upward slash, trying to uppercut you along the chin. And misses wildly. Her laughter is just now fading, and unfortunately, the spasms make it difficult to swing the blade. Make it difficult to swing the mace effectively. Well, I told you to stay down. That moves us back to the top of the initiative queue with Penelope Farthing. Oh, covered in burns yes. and with like legs and back that are barely working, barely stitched together from this healing spell from Halifon. Thank you very much, by the way. You're welcome. You're itching horribly as your nerves try to knit themselves back together. Yeah, on wobbly knees, Penny stands back up, making a, a grimace on her face and clutching a handful of pebbles. I'm going to use my bonus action to cast Magic Stone upon these pebbles, and then I'm going to use the rest of my movement to kind of hide behind the nearest pillar, and on the way there, I'm going to chuck a stone at this wizard. Excellent. Go ahead and roll that beautiful bean footage. <laughs> didn't work when I did it, didn't work when you did it. <laughs> I got a 14. She currently has mage armor, but with her shitty decks, that doesn't matter. So you actually do get a hit. Woo! <laughs> Stoner! That does six damage. Excellent. I stick out my tongue as I hide behind this pillar. <laughs> that makes it Tarka's turn. You hear the wizard say, I don't think this is going our way. She moves forward and stands behind the pillar and casts another scorching ray, this time splitting the damage. One comes at Gaspar, one comes at Halifon, and we'll see how the others go. Halifon, that's an 18 plus four. Uh, that will hit. Uh, Gaspar, that is a 19 plus five. That'll do. Cool. And let's see how much damage it does, because they're going to prioritize based on that. Halifon is taking four. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and Gaspar is taking eight. Ouch. And realizing that she hurt you more, she's going to follow up with another attack on Gaspar. That is a 19. That'll hit. Okay, good. The next one comes in at six damage. Okay. I am badly burnt. Excellent. The rays of fire lance across you, causing whatever metal on you to start to heat up. The impact alone is enough to take the wind out of you and throw you completely off balance. But Gaspar takes the worst of it. It's not just the impact, but the searing heat moves through your body, and you can feel the meat of you cooking ever so slightly. The scoundrel is dead, so that doesn't matter, and that makes it Gaspar's turn, the other scoundrel. Gaspar is going to take advantage of this cleric that is swinging a mace towards hell. Going to get right up to the blind spot and slash this saber up this person's back. That's a 19. Hot damn. Yeah, that'll do it. We are looking at nine points of damage. Woo, nice. You're doing it, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
Halifon Orison. Cool. Junior. Yeah, that's me. Do I have advantage on my attack as well because he's on the other side? You're cool. On opposite ends. All right. Well, I'm gonna take advantage of that. Hal's gonna do a stab. It's gonna be twenty total. Gotcha. Yep. Which That'll I, do it. Yeah, we're gonna. I was gonna say I'm gonna assume that that probably is going to land. They just inexplicably got plus four AC. Yeah, and I'm gonna go ahead and burn my other spell slot to do a divine smite and add another two d eight to my damage for this. Ooh, very nice. Yeah, dead cleric is good cleric. Yeah, now is the time. Yeah. Ah. Uh, <laughs> oh, Harithex. It's a Harithex <laughs> roll. <laughs> I've heard the legend. If you didn't listen to season one, that joke will make no sense to you, but it's okay. It's bad. On 1d10 plus 2d8, I've rolled 7. Plus 2 for 9 total damage. Excellent. That's very bad. I agree. That's very bad for me. But it's also very bad for the cleric because it's just enough to kill them. Yay! Okay. So you basically... The cleric comes up with their swing and then immediately drops down to one knee from the impact of Gaspar's weapon, at which point you take the opportunity, lifting up your halberd and then driving it down through the upper portion of their chest, splitting their sternum and their ribcage slightly bows under the pressure. After taking the cleric out, I would like to just kind of leap across her body and move my full speed towards the mage behind the pillar. Yeah, you definitely make it. You are now threatening them cool i'm gonna give him a thumbs up fist bump that we did right before we uh, entered this battlefield as he passes by me towards the tiefling i return the fist bump chill bro (laughs) (laughs) so at the end of halifon's turn that moves it onto ophidian ashpool who not wanting to be left out of the fight runs ahead and tries to make their way up to the wizard even going so far as to use their dash but that ends their turn, and now it is the cleric's turn who gurgles. There's a lot of gurgling going on. There is. That brings us back to the top of the initiative queue with Penelope up first. Penelope looks angry, and boy is she cute when she's angry. I drop my flutes and my rocks and draw my sword, the end of which is now glowing a little red from all the fire that scorched Penny's body earlier. And (laughs) I'm going to make a mad dash for this wizard and slash her across the face, crying, I don't know, is it hot enough for you? (laughs) And Hal goes, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Mm. Thank you. Give me the roll. That is a 14. Ah, there you go. I empathize with their robe-wearing armor class. <laughs> so does Harthax. That looked good. Eight damage. Ooh, nice. That is, that is good for this roll. Yeah. You take a swing, but obviously having run, you're not quite on point. Instead, you jam the sword up through their collarbone, and it gets stuck in there, sizzling badly as she screams. That makes it the wizard's turn. She is out of meaningful spell slots. She is out of options. So she simply reaches over, grabs the burning hot blade, pulls it out of her, drops it on the ground and says, I yield. You hear a loud buzzer echoing through the hall. The doors on the opposite end open. And the people you felled simply stand up. Immediately, you see the flesh of them start to knit back together. The cleric pats Gaspar on the shoulder. Good game. 
That was a good hit. <laughs> right behind me. I couldn't even see it. I love it. Interesting. You are aware that this was to be the result? Absolutely. Don't worry. We'll see more of each other. <laughs> you can count on it. I was about to try and take your head. You know this. Eh, take it. She grabs her sword and cuts it off and hands it to you. I will. I'll take. Wait, does the body crumple or it's just, just standing just, there? Just standing there. <laughs> Don't worry. We're magical constructs. We're an amalgamation of everybody in our archetype. You'll fight us again. You can guarantee it. I like you. But this head is useless to me. Here, have yeah. it back. As you hand the head back, she places it back on and then disintegrates into a puff of arcane smoke. <laughs> well, fuck me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you taking my head was my only chance. <laughs> the wizard looks at Penny and says, sorry about the bitch thing. I got to get into character, right? I, I, it's okay. <laughs> and then she disappears. The door is open. You group together and then step through. Victorious in the crucible. On our way out, Hal's going to turn to look at Ash and say, Hey, Ish. Yeah. Uh, How did you know that it was constructs? He looks at you. The red of his irises burn slightly with the red flame. He holds up his left hand, the one with the lesser rings. One of them appears on it. And he says, I didn't. And Team Alpha 3 cleans up despite a KO. There's no doubt in my mind that Penny's going to be beating herself up worse than those Conjuration dummies ever could. A KO in the Crucible doesn't look good for the League's first plural player. However, Gaspar the Headless Rogue took the opportunity to showcase some excellent teamwork. With Penny's pre-KO performance and Hal Orison's combat prowess, Alpha 3 truly demonstrated the League's core values. Except that Ophidian Ashpool. He opened that dummy's throat like a bag of tater flakes. But hey, some team admins are looking for edge. Right you are, Dirk. Ashpool seems to be playing the role of a heel head to toe. Well, I mean, he's a paladin, but I don't know if I'd call him a healer, Rust. No, Dirk, a heel. As opposed to the face? I don't know, Rusty. Paladins make a great face for a team, jam-packed with charisma and can-do attitude. Dirk, a heel is a bad guy in the combat theater. A face is a good guy. Ophidian Ashpool is selling himself as a bad guy. Oh. Do you suppose they're called heels because they kick the face? No, Dirk, I don't suppose. Well, whether you get facials from your healers or punished like the bad boy you are, there's more action to come right here on EXPN. So a ring showed up on his finger? On his uh, wrist. On his wrist? Yeah. Yeah, he's oh, got straight the tattoos. Yes. Yeah. yeah, he has tattoos. Uh, his le- right arm is full. His left arm isn't. Apparently, they uh, work when they kill constructs too. Okay. All right. So they're, they're like they're like uh, kill marks on like a. Fighter I could player. guess that it's yeah. it looks like that when he sense. kills someone, he gets a ring. That makes sense. He's creepy. I'm sure he <laughs> won't ever show up again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, every every good team needs a rival, right? Yep. <laughs> so. Oh my God! His name is Ash, and he's our rival. 
Oh no. <laughs> oh, my Are God. we Gary Motherfucking Oak? <laughs> That's our team name when we get one. <laughs> Gary Motherfucking Oak? Gary Gary Oaken. <laughs> Gary Oaken Shield? Gary Oaken Shield. Oh, that's really unfortunately good. Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> I'm sorry, Tolkien Estate. And we'll smell you later. <laughs> Uh, I think this uh, readout's going to be for Penny. Are you ready for your first readout? Is Are you excited? <clears throat> I think calling it a readout is generous without the cue card. <laughs> yeah. Speak out. Oh, it's all good. Hey, this is Dana. I play Penny, the second level fawn, who is one level in Bard, one level in Fey Warlock. My name is Law. I didn't play in all this episode, but I was here having fun. Uh, Thank otherwise... you for being the peanut gallery. I definitely want to keep most of that in. Oh, for sure. Uh, but I would normally be playing. I almost is Adora, witness to the withering acre. My name is Michael Loving. I play Halifon Orison Jr. Um, and Asamar Paladin. My name is Angelo Kaluag, and I am playing the headless rogue known as Gaspar. And I'm Zach, the dungeon master and producer for Slapdash Studios. Excellent. That was a lot of fun. We hope you had fun too. If you want to listen to more, you can check us out on theluq.com, where you can also find links to our Patreon and social media, including our Discord. And I get it. I'm a fan who hates fandoms, but we seriously have a really great community. I hate fandoms, and I love our people. They're so good. Agree 100% on all fronts. Special, special thanks to Sam Hedegar the Ediger. Oh, we didn't thank Sam oh, Hedegar the Ediger the first thank one. Hedegar the Ediger. He's uh, got a heck of an editing job in front of him. Especially <laughs> on this episode. Uh, I am so sorry. I personally love you very much. It's two two-hour episodes in a row. That yep. feels so bad. That's quite an editing. Yeah. I just wanted to say editing. <laughs> <laughs> well, until next time, we wish you luck. <laughs>